Hey, everyone, just a heads up that we talk about some themes regarding child loss uh, and pregnancy loss in this episode. So just wanted to give a heads up if you did not want to hear that. All right. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Girls Like Us. This is the podcast that asks the question, what does a literature degree get you? And we say that it gets you a podcast about children's books. I'm Sophie. I'm joined today by Franny, who, you know, as the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air once said, you go to school to learn, not for a fashion show. But today, Franny came to school, school being this podcast, Mm -hmm. for a fashion show because she's looking great. I did. I I went to the... uh the Logan Square Farmers Market uh, today, um, which is, you know, Logan is like a hip, you know, uh, gentrified neighborhood in Chicago. Um, And they have like a farmer's market. And I was told ahead of time that I was basically given a a dress code, a suggested dress code, because by who? By, By my friend. Well, she didn't, she didn't say you have to do this. She was just like, just be warned, like people turn up. Uh, they they go crazy at this farmer's market. And they did. Every single person almost looked like they were you know, coming to, like, go out to dinner and not to just, like, a random farmer's market. Um, but So this yeah. is, I, I do have to say this really quick, because this is, you texted me about this. This was news to me. Yeah. Because I, you know, long time, I used to live in Logan. I used to go to the Logan farmer's market every week. I I don't think I've ever worn anything to the Logan Farmer's Market that wasn't like a pair of jeans that was too big, that was like dragging on the ground <laughs> and like half of a shirt. Um, yeah. But see, I would still so count that is, as some, somewhat fashion-y. I don't, but on me, like coming from somebody, you know, who saw myself in these looks, I would not say that they were fashion-y. Um, like I was doing this in the most maybe unfashiony way possible. I would call you the minority then. And I don't know if that's something that maybe post. But it didn't used to be like that is what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm guessing that that's like people now who are like, okay, like, you know, some, you know, events have changed. Like the way that we go out and do stuff has changed. So this outdoor event has become kind of more of a thing. This is where you go to show off. Um, I did want to talk about that too, because my friend um, yesterday, we we had kind of a day out yesterday and she wore a dress that she bought at what was the most chaotic event I've been to in a really long time, which was a rent the runway sample sale. So that just like, Sophie, that's, this a, lo- that's a collection of, um, that's a collection of oxymorons. Rent the exactly. runway well, yeah. sample sale. Sample it's sale. like there's so many hanging signifiers there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and it was one of those things where I saw it online and Meg um, went to it after work one day because she works downtown and she was like, oh, you know, like there's there's some stuff there. Now, from when she went, which I think was the first day to when we went, which was yesterday, which was a Saturday, she said that it had become totally, it was like going into like a different room because it was in this weird mall that's like off of Michigan Avenue, um, which I didn't Is it know in existed. the mall that's in the um, the blue line, the blue line station. It's called uh, like I don't think so. It, I mean, it well maybe, but it was on Michigan Avenue. There yeah. was like it was kind of a, a ritzy mall. There's like a Nordstrom in it. A ritzy mall. There's a Nordstrom in it. Is it the there's one? a like La Labo as well or whatever? Oh uh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I went there. Um, I went there like a year ago. Yeah, yeah, it's like down on Michigan Avenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. I, I like did not know it existed, but we went in and it's like first of all we get stopped essentially by a bouncer at the door. She's like, "Have you been here before?" We said no. She said, "Okay, well, just so you know, like there's like you know." All sales are final. Sure, that makes sense. And she was like, um, and you know, there's no fitting room. So, you know, we ask that you just not take off your clothes. If you try something on, just oh try it over your clothes. And, you know, don't stand by the windows when you do it. <laughs> I'm like, 
okay what i know oh and my god but but then we get in there i'm like that's crazy and it's like you know of course it's like i don't know like if i was wearing um jeans but i had a little tank top on and i was like you know, I was like, oh, I'm not going to look at pants anyway. Like, I just put some over my shirt. Like, I guess people are coming and, like, just, like, taking off stuff. Like, I can't imagine that. Like, disrobing. But, yeah, but when we got in there, Sophie, it was, like, it was so weird because there were, like, tens of racks, like, tens of, you know, hundreds of racks, like, that did not, it was kind of in size range, but it would, like, they were not actually, it would be, like, small, medium, large, and then, like, that would go on for a few racks, racks and then it would restart. There was, like, no organization, And there were women just piling, piling, like older women piling clothes upon clothes upon clothes onto the floor. Like, like people were like hoarding stuff. Um, And, you know, it was kind of like, my friend found a cute dress, but it was very much like Nordstrom core. Like it was like kind of what you would maybe expect from a Rent the Runway, right? So like if you were going for like a wedding guest dress or something like whatever that's that's fine but um you uh, could not find that much cute stuff there but people i imagine that this is kind of a boon for resellers right um but the thing is most of the stuff was ugly yeah. like you can understand why they were selling it i'm assuming sample sale yeah. means that these are things that they, right. they receive that they do not end up selling as inventory because it's ugly that's, yeah. that would be my guess right exactly and that's what's you know happened with so much of like like Nordstrom rack culture mm-hmm. and things like that is like as like you know as this sort of idea of like a sample sale has become more ubiquitous it becomes just clearer and clearer that it's like it's the only reason it's there and that you're getting it for cheaper is because like everybody else thought it was ugly yes um, exactly I did see some Rachel Ant apparently makes it on Thursday they had Susan Alexandra stuff that was all taken I did see one Rachel Antonoff thing, which I could not even find online. It was ugly. It was like this like little like cotton nightgown that had like pictures of like kind of scribbly cotton candy in all primary colors and green on it. Oh, bizarre. It was really weird. Um, But then that was kind of high. Well, what what were you going to say? Oh, no, I, I was just like, well, I burped, first of all, so you could have been hearing that, but I also oh, okay. was just thinking about, I, I, you know, because of a, Wi-Fi, yes. so we're kind of going in blind here. <laughs> exactly, we're, we are literally going in blind here, we're used to being able to, like, yeah. see each other and read one another's cues, and, and it's just, it's just yeah. simply not happening today, but, um, no, I was just going to say, as somebody who, like, religiously follows the, uh, Rachel Antonoff, like, Instagram, you know, mm-hmm. and has for the last, like, probably 10 years, I think I would know, uh, probably, I would be able to recognize most pieces, and the yeah. fact that, you know, I don't recognize that certainly means something. Exactly. It was, I was like, I have no idea where this would have been from. It was like, again, it was like a nightshirt. And I was like, why? I don't think this would be on Rent the Runway anyway. But people were being kind of feral in there. But that was all different from when then we later went to the Glossier flagship store for the first time. Have you been to a Glossier store before? I have been outside of a Glossier store, but I've never been brave enough to venture to into one. Actually, that's a lie. Maybe like five years ago in Chicago, they did a pop-up mm-hmm. and I went to that. But I've always been of the opinion, you know, I've owned like probably two or three Glossier products throughout my life. Mm-hmm. And they've always been, mid. dare I say, bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I mid to bad. Like the kind of thing, like recently I've really like, I, you know, like I love to shop. I love to buy things. Recently, I have been on such a drugstore makeup kit mm-hmm. kick. Like I've gotten so much drugstore makeup in the last like couple months that has been head and shoulders above like that has been head and shoulders shit brand that has been head and shoulders <laughs> brand yeah exactly no but that's been head and shoulders above the uh stuff that i buy regularly from sephora like all of the like maybelline and like elf like all of those brands have like really stepped up their game in terms of like the literal product and it's like it makes me even more mad at Glossier because it is such a bad product. Yeah, I will say they it has some extremely hit or miss. Like there, I know they have more than one like type of lipstick now, but when they first introduced lipsticks, I got one and it was like rubbing 
I think my friend described yeah. it as rubbing a crayon on your lips, right? Like, it's, like, not yes. uh, good. Uh, I will say that I went in because I, I did buy a face mask from them. And then I also really do like their concealer. That is the only concealer that I found that that really works on me um, just for my skin texture. I've never used that. And I have also heard that that is good. That's, so yeah. I will reserve judgment. Yeah. And I like their um, cheek, their cheek tints, too. I like their blush. So... But yeah, they don't need to be making the eyeliner. rare beauty blush. I, I have rare beauty blush just, too. It's good. It's just the only blush you should ever use throughout your like. It is so good. There's like that's like a that's like a top ten product. Yeah, I love I love the rare beauty stuff. Um, I got a bronzer from them recently. That's pretty good. But um, and you know I'm of course like I really like buying makeup, but I don't really wear makeup on a day to day basis. Um, Same. So it's not. But a concealer, I'm like okay, I'll wear this. Um. But it, Sophie, like the only way I can describe it is it's like being in a dispensary because you go around, they have all these yeah. samples. You have to give your order to someone on the floor and then they take, they, you pay for it there. And then they, they like announce it. Like, like they take it back, package it up in those little bubble things and then bring it out to you. It really feels oh, like that's like you're really in a, funny. Yeah. It feels like you're in a dispensary. Um, they don't you know, want you touching the product. No, they don't. Well, it's weird. Cause like, it's like, you can go and like put your fingers in like the goop that they have out there. But you can't, right. um, you can't actually just like buy one. You can't one. pick it out for yourself. No, yeah. which does make you, anytime there's something like that, it's like, I feel like they think people are shoplifting. Um, yeah, and people definitely like are. I mean, like Glossier, yeah. yes, Glossier is like the prime, like, like the demographic that they're attracting to Glossier is the prime shoplifting demographic. Like right. young, young, young white women, like <laughs> yeah. young women. Yeah. yeah. Young white women with Instagram accounts. Like that is the exact. You have disposable like, income. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Like they are targeting the, um, the prime shoplifting, you know, group. So they have to protect themselves any way that they can. Um, and, you know, maybe it's like a dispensary in that it, the Glossier product is so, you know, revered that it's actually illegal to touch it if you haven't bought it yet. Um, exactly. So that's also something to consider. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but honestly, it was kind of cute in there. I mean, I'm glad that I'm not so pilled as I would buy a Glossier bar of soap, which was something that was on sale there, or Glossier deodorant. Um, that's not happening for me. Yeah. I will say after, you know, I just talked a bunch of shit on Glossier product. Their perfume is actually pretty good. And I used to get I it do like for you. free yeah. at my previous uh, workplace. Yeah. Um, and by for free, I mean um, the day you, that they said they were closing. Yeah. Uh, Think I about the demographic the Sophie would have been in. Think about the demographic. Exactly. Think about the demographic I was in at the time. And the think wing. about, Yeah. yeah. And think about, you know, maybe what I would have done in the stock room there uh, after they laid all of us off. She, um, um, I won't. Uh, well, not she. Uh, I will also say that I went to, the, the whole reason for us going downtown yesterday is we went to a Clinique pop-up event where we got, uh, like, we calculated it. Are you 60 it. years old? Well, it feels like it. And, and I will say that the women in line in front of us who, they had a great laugh because this guy walked by and he was like, oh, you're waiting in line for makeup? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and these women in front of us <laughs> thought that that was hilarious. They're like, she said, yeah. They were like, do you have a podcast? Yeah, they're actually like, do you have a podcast? We, it was, it was interesting because they... And this is like the thing with Clinique, like if you guys have ever, you know, shopped with your mom for Clinique or even read a Macy's catalog, they are offloading yeah. product onto you. It feels like they are giving it away. Because yes. we counted the samples They're paying we got. you to take the Clinique. Yeah. And we calculated that we got at least, because uh, we got two different types of samples of the same moisturizer, one that has SPF in it and one that doesn't. And we didn't calculate the SPF one, but for the other one, we got uh, at least $60 worth of product a piece. Like when you calculate, because we got four samples each and they're like, you know, big, big ones. But it was, um, they gave us like these kind of like ugly tote bags. Another thing that Clinique is known for. And then it was, yeah. we went into this, um, this little trailer and it was like, we, we clicked on a bubble and then it gave us a $10 oh coupon off of Clinique at Ulta. Oh and then it had like a selfie <laughs> station and it's, it's me and Meg and our friend Rebecca. And we're all just like, kind of like grimacing because like, yeah. like, what is happening at the right Clinique now? counter? Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh my uh, gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. I, I was just about to say something like sort of tongue in cheek whiny being like, this is the privilege of being 
in, you know, a gay relationship as a woman is that you both get to go to the, the cl- Clinique event yes. and you both get the free moisturizer and literally. you both have it in your bathroom. But then I was thinking like Nick could have gone. They would like, have stopped Nick, him. Nick yeah. literally and he fully like Nick would initiate us going to something like that. Like yeah. I have no like I'm like sitting here trying to make some like funny heteronormative joke when like my boyfriend has like eBay alerts set for Vivian Westwood. Like yes. it's like yeah. not um I don't have even the positionality to to make that joke, which is funny. And and speaking of, you know, different identities and yeah. people coming <laughs> to terms with those with those identities um in ways this week we read uh double identity by Margaret Peterson Haddix, Ohio's own. Mm-hmm. Um, Miami University's own from my school. Miami. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yes, we talked about that last time. We talked about one of her books. She her most popular series was probably Among the Hidden. Um we yeah. also or the Shadow the Shadow uh, read, Children series. The Shadow Children, excuse me. Yeah, but the first book of that series is called Among the Hidden. Mm-hmm. Um Margaret Peterson Haddix, we talked about this last time we talked about her work, but just to, you know, get everybody on the same cultural page, um, she is somebody who, if you grow up in Ohio, and, you know, I can't speak for the rest of the country, but specifically if you grow up in Ohio, you read a lot of her work just because she is from Ohio, and they sort of push that on you. You know, Mm -hmm. she's sort of Ohio's, like, Ohio's Ohio's native. um, Yes, exactly. The Miss she's Miss Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, as Gillian Welch would say. Um, but uh, she, you know, tends to write in this space about like I wouldn't even say sci-fi. I would say it verges on sci-fi, but more like the domestic, ways that like domestic new sci-fi. technologies. Yes, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we read Running Out of Time a few years ago. That one's great. It's about a girl who. Um, She's living in the 1800s, but then she finds out she's essentially been living in like a like a colony um, of like people who live essentially in a lab to like simulate the 1800s, um, and like people come and like watch them like a museum essentially. And she like has to go out; she has to leave that colony, mm-hmm. and she's like in the 1990s. Um, and then today we read Double Identity, which came out in. T- 2005. I remember reading this book when it first came out. Yeah, this was Meg recommended this because this this is still like one of her favorite books. Like she loves to reread it, and you know it did not yeah. disappoint. And and this book, it's really good. I will say the one. Here's my one thing. I remember reading a book, and this is what I thought I was going to get when I was younger, where there was a girl who was a clone, and there were like eight of her. This was not this, oh. and the reason that it is not total sci-fi... And that sci-fi, disappointed you. It did disappoint me, and the reason it's not total sci-fi is because she is a clone in this book, but her other her clone is not current, right? Like, she yes. she had basically... And we talked about this because we were talking about cloning uh, on the last episode of, like, when you have a clone, it's more like a younger twin than anything, right? Right, and That's exactly. literally what it is yes. here. It's like her parents... We learned that this girl's parents had a daughter who died. And so then they cloned, they cloned the daughter, but that, that daughter is dead and lived like, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, so you, do you have any memory of reading this then when you were younger? I, I do not, but I do remember the cover. What about you? So you said you do remember reading it. I definitely remember reading it. And I, now I was having these memories where I think that this was in, so at my school, um, like many public schools, like I I don't think they do this anymore because I think like research found that, you know, it was bad. Um, but <laughs> like many things uh, we well, did actually in, in some public do. school in Ohio. Yeah, like actually I know for a fact, however, I just had a conversation a couple weeks ago with somebody who just graduated high school who, uh, this actually still goes on, so I don't know why I said I don't think they do this anymore. They absolutely do this. Um, The practice that is, you know, not really evidence-based at all and is really only like a classroom management technique wherein uh, for like an hour every day, the quote-unquote gifted kids go to um a different room and are essentially like like at least in my situation the we like just did um puzzles and then like sometimes like we would do like some sort of unit but I remember it being like a lot of like I remember essentially 
us getting sent to a room for an hour every day where we just essentially were to do whatever we wanted while the normal kids back in our home classroom were like learning things that they that the somebody somewhere thought that we maybe already knew. I don't like it's you know it's all very it doesn't make any sense, but I'm pretty sure in my gifted class we read this book in a unit that we did about reproduction when I was <laughs> about, like this one being about asexual reproduction, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And um like about like how reproduction works. And so like we read this and then we also read some book called like Egg to Chick, where <laughs> okay. it was about like how eggs work and how they become chickens and how like chicken reproduction works and I will never forget opening that book like being in like the little like gifted uh gifted room in a little circle on the floor and opening the book and seeing it's like there is literally an illustration that takes up a whole page in that book of a chicken fucking another chicken (laughs) um and it's like mounting like the way that chickens fuck is like so crazy and it's like mounting the back of the other chicken and I think I was like seven years old at this point and I and it would have made sense because that would have been like 2005, 2000, mm-hmm. you know, eight or 2005, 2006 type thing. And I remember specifically thinking to myself as I watched, as I looked at this image of this chicken fucking this other chicken, thank God humans don't do that. Like that was my first, like that was my first reaction because obviously I was like seven years old. I didn't know what I thankfully did not know what sex was. Um, and so that was like, and for some reason, this book is associated with that memory. Like we must have talked about because we were gifted and we could handle, you know, complex topics. Mm-hmm. We, I guess, also discussed, we discussed chickens fucking to fertilize an egg. And then we also discussed the ethics of cloning um, you know, the in the context thing, of this book. I, I wasn't gifted, but only because I begged to be in it because I was not initially chosen as someone, which says a lot, right? Wow. That like, they're just like, not asking children yeah, if they want to be involved. Up. It's very fucked up. And yeah, I had to like make it like I had to like advocate to get in it. And that was only because um, I did not want to feel inferior. Um, which yeah. That says which something Which is too. tough as like an eight-year-old. It's, it's yeah, hard. I think yeah. back to, I think that being in gifted, like people are always like, I'm a former gifted kid and it like gave me depression. I can point to specifically why being in gifted disadvantaged me. And it's because for some ungodly reason, they just let us skip like They let math. you skip like core competencies. Yeah, that would have let you. Exactly. Yeah. So there was things like the math, like sixth grade math, they were, the whole kind of thing was to teach you like study skills and how to be like a self-guided math learner. Mm-hmm. And I just got punted into um, algebra right out of elementary school math. Like I didn't do pre-algebra or anything. And so like I was able, like I just had no, I had no capability to like work with like a math textbook. I was like, what is this? What do you mean I'm supposed to like just pick problems to do for homework? Like this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, And I truly think that a lot of my like skills that I never fully grasped are because I was in the gifted room doing logic puzzles while everybody else was learning like how to keep an organized notebook. That was all you did, which was like the, like, I I specifically remember that there was, there was a few things you could do. We did a, a, a quote unquote thing on public speaking where we had to like talk about something without saying um or uh, and they were like, okay, everyone choose a topic they're passionate about. Like, oh, what should Franny's be? And everyone was like, Pokemon. Because I was wow. obsessed with Pokemon. And of course I had a Pokemon podcast when I was in sixth grade. Um, wow. Yeah. And then the other one was you could play Blink, which was that game where you, it has like cards and it's like you can match like shape, color, or number to them. Um, or Othello which I think is kind of like, I forget how you play it, but it's like little black and white tiles kind of. Yeah. Or you could do like a logic puzzle where it's like Santa has, you know, seven reindeer, Uh, you know, Dasher is not wearing the yellow collar. Um, The, the, uh, you know, the, the reindeer that eats oats is a boy. Like, and it it has like those little like grids that go across like process of elimination. Yes. Which those, it's like doing the LSAT. Exactly. Do you have to do stuff like that in the LSAT? Yeah, the LSAT has a whole section called logic games that's like 
just that for adults. Oh, I'd probably ace that, to be honest. Well, I think that, like, Logic Games is very aceable once you, like, because there's only, like, a, there's only a, uh, well, first of all, the challenge is that it's, like, you have to do, like, 30 questions in, like, 20 minutes or something. Mm -hmm. So, like, the challenge is is not, um, the challenge is not, like, uh, aptitude. It's more, like, time. Right. And the thing about the Logic Games section is that there's only a certain number of games that, like, the LSAT uses over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you just learn all of the, like, the quote-unquote games, like, you will get every single one right. Um, right. But a lot of people, I think, just don't, like, have the time and ability to, like, you know, like, realize that it's, like, just the same, you know, like, 20 games over and over again. Right. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Anyways. Um, well, and I also wanted the to— The ethics of cloning. The ethics of cloning. I also wanted to, real quick, uh, talking about the chicken thing— um, They, I think we have a lack of chicken-based literacy in this country because I saw something on TikTok. You know when you get a chicken and there's like a little like red spot in it? And like, I'm not going to claim I know what that is. But someone was like, oh, like this means that you can um, fertilize it. And they also sell fertilizable chicken eggs at Trader Joe's. Um, And everyone was like, why are people acting like this is crazy? Because you should know that you can fertilize all eggs. Like you guys don't know where baby chickens come from, which that's not true, right? Like it's like a chicken's period. Yeah. But that just shocked me. I mean, if I'm I'm being real, I I read the book and I don't, and I I retained nothing. The only thing I retained was that ghastly image of the two chickens fucking. Now, um, chickens, and how much that disturbed me. I'm I'm proving my point here because it's a rooster. A right, a rooster would be fucking a chicken. Because when birds, a fuck, rooster fucks a hen. A rooster fucks a hen. Right? Okay. Because I recently, and by recently I mean a few months ago, saw two birds fucking, and that's a scary thing because they just they do what is yes. called the cloacal kiss because they touch cloacas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not. It's not fun. Not fun. And sometimes they do it in the air. Yeah, and it looks Which like is one is not into it. Attacking the other. Yeah, attacking yeah. the other. Yeah, it looks like they're trying to eat the yeah. other. And it's like, oh no, they're having sex right now. Yeah. Yeah, but with the chickens, like one, you know, because they cannot fly, it looks more like two animals. Like the tr- traditionally what you think of two animals fucking, wherein one chicken mounts the other chicken, but due to just like the physics of being a chicken, the rooster is essentially just standing on the woman uh, right. who is a hen. So it's, you know, it's it's a crazy image when you see it uh, illustrated out in a children's book uh, being taught alongside a novel that's trying to once again talk to you as a seven-year-old about the ethics of cloning. Um, I feel like we've kind of chilled out as a nation talking about the ethics of cloning. I feel like that used to be a way bigger debate. Maybe it was just in like high school debate classes, but we have, I have not heard a lot of hubbub about, about cloning in a while. Not since everybody's been real quiet since Barbara Streisand cloned all of her dogs. <laughs> yes. Everybody's been real quiet. The haters oh have gosh. shut up. They saw Babs do it and they said, we can't come back from that. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, I would so clone tell Cookie us a little if I bit had about, the option. Is it ethical? No. But would I do it? Probably. But is it eth- is it not ethical to clone a dog? Like, I, I don't know if I have any opinion on the cloning of a dog. I think that I think the issue with it is not necessarily the act itself, but the fact that it's like, why are you just recreating a dog from scratch instead of like um, adopting a dog? You know, I think that's the issue. Uh, which, sure, which I fair, but I don't. But I don't think it's. I don't think it's an issue with the act of, of cloning itself. It's more of like, why are you? doing it in this way instead of just adopting a dog. And that is true. Like Barbara Streisand, like because I have money and I want yeah, to do because I'm Barbara crazy. Streisand. Yeah. Like, Cause I want my exact same. Dog. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because I want my exact, like that's the answer to that is it's that I don't care. It's that it's, it doesn't apply to me. Yeah. I want to do something fun. And to me, it would be fun to clone my dog. Um, okay. Tell us a little bit about this, this book and, and how it starts and, and what's going on here, how we get to the, how we get there. Um, so we start with our main character, Bethany. So we enter and Bethany's like in a car with her parents and we get a little bit of backstory, which is that she doesn't know where she's going. Her mom has been like crying and crying and crying for days. 
Um, and her parents just put her in the car and they're like, we're going somewhere. So then she gets dropped off at her aunt's house. She did not know this aunt existed in like this little town in Illinois. And her parents just leave. They like, she's like, are you guys going to be back for my birthday in two weeks? And they just like, don't answer her and they just leave. So a little bit of backstory there is like, she kind of, we learn more and more facts about her life, which is that she's an only child. Everyone says she's really spoiled. Her parents never like let her stay anywhere overnight. They don't really let her go out at all. They homeschooled her only now is she in school and like, she's on the swim team. But other than that, like she really is always with her parents So she's kind of thinking, she's like, wait, am I somehow, is this punishment for me like being bratty? You know, somehow. We also learned that her parents are older than other parents, that she has, you know, old parents. Um, And then kind of as the story unfolds, we learned that, like we said, her parents in the 90s um, had a daughter named Elizabeth, and this girl's name is Bethany. And Elizabeth ended up getting killed in a car accident along with her aunt's husband. Um, and then her aunt has a daughter who's Bethany's cousin and was like Elizabeth the same age when they were going, growing up. Um, so everyone's like, oh my God, you look so much like this girl who died. And But the aunt and the cousin don't know that she is actually a clone. And there's like some, basically we learned that like the dad worked for this corporation with this guy who was really into cloning and like, why the dad it was is essentially on. like some kind of like a cloning startup. It seemed right. to me exactly like they were yeah. like doing some kind of they were doing work at the company that would that in the hopes that it would lead to cloning technology becoming something that they could sell. Right, exactly, and um, that's the reason the dad is on the run because we learned that the dad gave or the, this guy gave the dad money to clone him to clone the, this guy. And then he like got like arrested for embezzlement and he just got out of jail. So he's like, where's my, he calls him my son, Where's my little clone, but it's really himself. And he, this is also very sad. This guy is like, cause we think he's after the, the Bethany, but he's really after the parents to be like, where's the clone. And the parents like, kind of like did not have great logic in terms of like going on the run um yeah they kind of address that they're like yeah we you know we didn't have great logic there um especially because the mom is like breaking down the mom is like calling the daughter like her old sister's name and all this stuff um but yeah we also learn um that her the when they made her to be cloned like they did four embryos and because at yes. the beginning, she we learned that she has, like, four different birth certificates. And she's like, what? Like, this isn't my last name. Like, what's all this stuff? Um, and so she has four different birth certificates. And that that's because they planted the baby in, like, four different surrogates. And only one survived. And that's her. Which I thought was kind of interesting. This book has, like, a lot of, like, nuance. And also, one thing I really liked about it is um, we kind of get to, like, discover or think about kind of the gray area of this. Like she does not shy away. She doesn't give us an answer on if this is right or wrong. It is kind of like, well, now that you're here, what are you going to do about it? Let's talk a little bit about the narrative form that this book takes, because it's a little like, it assumes a smart reader, which is something like we've talked about before. We really like don't in. Yes. Most of the books that we read don't. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, it's kind of like occupies this like dreamlike state. Like it sort of begins like, and she's just in the back of this car and we don't really know anything about the character. Mm-hmm. We don't know anything about the parents. Um, a lot of what we learn, you know, we learn at the same time that she learns it. And it's very, you know, like overhearing conversations and things like that. Um, did you pick up on that at all? Yeah, I, I did. And one one thing that's interesting that we've talked about, I think, a lot is like the the YA book, what makes a really enjoyable YA book is not necessarily that even the the writing style or it's just that the themes are, I guess, child appropriate. And that's what we we get here is it's like, right. okay, this main character is a child, like we're um, talking about kind of these big events, um, but in like, you know, a way that is not going to be overwhelming for a kid. Um, but this book, honestly, like, I don't know, like it it goes out of its way to, I think, deal with a lot of hard topics. Because one of the things, obviously you have death. Um, 
it's certainly not a religious book by any means, um, but the her cousin, so the aunt that he's she's staying with her daughter, and their dad, of course, and the cousin died in the in the car crash. Um, is she became a minister, and that's yeah. not really to say anything about God or anything necessarily, but she, that is a way for this that character to deal with kind of figuring out like what she's gone through what she's gone through and like figuring out why that happened and actually like there is kind of a i would say a pretty progressive view of this which is that she is talking about like well why would have god like let this happen and then she's basically like well it's like free will like it's not that you know god would have wanted that to happen like it, it is which i think goes against a lot of like uh obviously sometimes what children are taught of like you know, that's, that's not, that's a pretty, I think, progressive way of looking at the idea of God and whatever, but not, and that's not to say that this book is, I think, saying anything about that, but that's a way that this book approaches kind of the inevitability of, of life and things that happen and her, like, that's how that character um, learned to deal with the fact that like, well, why did I live when I was in this car and, and these two people didn't? Yeah. And I think it's also a, if not primarily a very subtle and once again, like age appropriate and child appropriate way of putting um, religiosity and like this sort of the like religious narrative of like death and rebirth with like the scientific mind Mm -hmm. narrative of death and rebirth into conversation with one another um, in just a very, in a very narrative first way um because you know this cousin who is a minister she is with bethany as she's making these discoveries like discovers that she's a clone starts to work through that um and so you know we have like the science and like the literalness of that mixed with like the spiritual and a lot of like and this is where you know it gets kind of which is like obvious it's a novel it's good suspension of disbelief but like you know the 12 year old starts to question you know like well if it's unethical to clone people as so many people say then what am am i am i I a monster which you know i don't know if a 12 year old's brain would um go to that place um like that was part of that was some like some of the like thought processes of like that she was going through like the where it immediately went to like deep philosophical realms um started to get a little bit grating because I was like, okay, like this is just not like, I feel what like a child you would be. Yes. Like, I feel like the, the gut reaction of a child would be like, well, does this mean like my parents don't love me? You know what I mean? As opposed to like, you know, these deep sort of like spiritual philosophical meaning, um, you know, looking for meaning in deep places. Um, yeah. but Which they do. The, I think the the thought the p- thought process of hers that makes sense the most, and I think is also like the most like, yeah, a 12-year-old, almost 13 girl is feeling like this anyway, is she's being like, well, wait a minute. Like I um, like am, am I like an identity crisis basically? Like, wait a minute, am I just yeah. this, this person? Am I just her? She's always going to have right. done that first. Um, yeah, but sorry, what were you saying? No, I I think it's exactly that, which is that, you know, like to have this character who is, you know, like engaged in spiritual work alongside her as she sort of parses through sort of some of the scientific and like literal elements of the cloning Mm -hmm. is a very, it's just a very intelligent choice that I can't see being made. And, you know, like most of the novels that we read would focus on oh, isn't it sick that, like, cloning exists? Like, that's crazy. Um, as yeah. opposed to, you know, how how would it feel to be a clone? How would it feel to, like, be a child who's, like, coming into your identity um, anyways and then find out, you know, this extra thing? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and also, like, the idea that, um, I don't know, like, this, I think it could also be a relatable narrative to anyone well, number one, any child of any sibling, but especially if a sibling has died, uh, like a feeling like, oh, am I second best? Because that's basically what she starts thinking of like, wait, did my parents only love me because I was like this other girl? 
Um, even though we kind of see, and this is how it would be like, obviously if you're a clone, you're not going to go through the exact same life events. Like there's some nature versus nurture. Like she likes a lot of the same foods. She likes a lot of the same, you know, she had the other girl had a skill from gymnastics, but this girl did have a skill from gymnastics and her parents like, you can't take gymnastics. It's too dangerous. So she did swimming instead, but also the, her, you know, the original girl like didn't, didn't like swimming. Right. Like, so Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's subtle differences. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that, like, I... So my parents had a child before me that died, um, that died in infancy. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes I... Like, I relate to it in that way where sometimes, like, especially when I first, you know, like, when I was a kid and I first found out that, you know, they had had a that I had had a sibling that died um when she was a baby like I think about it sometimes being like well am I just her like reincarnated like was that me or you know what like what would she have been like if like she would have grown up or like was it just you know like the difference between like was that a fully separate person or, you know, like, did I come back, you know, not to get like overly spiritual in like my whole thing, but like, I've always, I've like for some, and maybe it's like narcissism, but for some reason I've always sort of felt like that was maybe just like me. And I just like came back, which is like so crazy, but I don't know. It's, it is something that causes you to like question those things. When, you know, there was this, like, separate thing that existed before you and then that person, you know, like, it's like, well, am I, like, am I the replacement baby? Right. And the answer is obviously no, but it's harder to ask that question when you are literally the replacement baby in the yeah. form of a clone. Well, and we don't have to talk about this, but didn't didn't you have, like, didn't your mom have, like, a psychic who said something to her about that? Or am I making that up? The psychic referenced the fact that there was a baby that died. Yeah. But the my mom's like Greek grandmother, uh, you know, who's about as close as God, you know, it's you know, when a shriveled old up old lady, <laughs> tiny, tiny lady tells you something, I feel inclined to believe it. And um, my mom's Greek grandma, when that baby died, told her, I know the baby will be back and often thought that I was hashtag the return of the baby. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I don't know if hashtag the baby is back um, (laughs) and the baby (laughs) is me. But no, it's just always like an interesting thought experiment Yeah, because it's like, you know, because I definitely believe in you know, like some form of like reincarnation or like spiritual recycling, Mm -hmm. spiritual sustainability, um, (laughs) because I'm not a monster. Um, And so it's always like, is that like... Not not you greenwashing your your parents' trauma. Come on, Sophie. (laughs) Right, exactly. I have to make... I have to make my parents' trauma one about me and two about um, protecting the environment. Yeah. Um... But yeah, no, I think that it's just always like, like when, and like, it kind of reminds me too, in a different way on the flip side of like people who refer to, have you seen this? Like people who refer to children that they have after, you know, maybe they've had a pregnancy loss as like their rainbow babies. And I'm like, like how would you feel to be referred to as a rainbow baby? Probably bad yeah. <laughs> on some level, right? Yeah. I think it's something too, like that it, like that is probably something that is used way more like, well, we had this baby. Like that's something that's done when the baby is not having like an identity of their own yet, like is not conscious of their own identity because Something that I thought that was interesting here is like, how is she going to live with this right after learning? And like, eventually her parents do come back right. and like that, that's all resolved. But, but like, she is basically saying like, well, my um, sister, she died on her 13th birthday. 
I'm 13 and a half now. Yeah. The older I get, the less I'm going to be kind of impacted by this legacy. At the same time, while acknowledging right. that she, um, it, you know, is obviously similar to to this person. Um, I don't know. Like, it's it's interesting because the cloning aspect of it, like, it's not really sci-fi because it's like, I, I mean, I know they haven't done this, but it's like, you probably could, if we invested a lot of money in it, like, you probably could clone a human, Right. Like if you can clone a dog. 100%. Like, yeah. yeah so, easy. I mean, we, hey, I, we got this cream cheese this week that's like, it's called Nourish and it's like, it is dairy, but it's animal free because they cloned, they essentially cloned like dairy, like a dairy cell. Right. And then they, then they are fermenting it or whatever. But like stuff like that, it's like we probably as, in terms of the technology we currently have accessible, if we put a lot of time and resources in it, into it, we could clone someone. But I think the fact that cloning is not, as you would imagine, like, it's not like you yeah, go like to, you like, step a, into a machine, a machine and it's seven Jimmy neutrons come out. Yeah, it's like, oh, like this, there's a little bit no, no reason for it, except I can't imagine in a situation like this, you would be tempted to. Like, it makes sense that these parents were tempted to, but as we can see, like, when you're considering this child as, like, kind of not their own thing, like, that's that's what their parents learn is, like, they acknowledge essentially at the end, they're like, you know, we are so happy that, you know, we also have you, right? Like you're not the same. You're not the same as, right. as this other girl was. And like that, I think also like an interesting way to like kind of teach kids about like, yeah, the reality of cloning, which is like, well, it's, it's, it's like you have a twin basically who's born at a yeah. different time than you. And it, I've it been is not, saying, yeah. I've been saying this for years that people should, understand the reality of cloning more I because so I'm too. sick of having <laughs> conversations with people where we're just not on the same level about whether we understand the reality of cloning. I know. Yeah, or, I chicken, think that, or chicken literacy. I mean, it, this nation. Or chicken fucking. Yeah, yeah, there needs to be more chicken literacy. Um, I... You know, and it's I, it's always, you know, reading this from an adult... Pers- reading books like these from an adult perspective that causes me to have questions that, um, you know, are not the primary questions that the narrative are asking, but but questions nonetheless. And for me, the big one that I was thinking about through this was um, just the ethics of parenting in general and like how sad it is that they needed to go, the parents in this book needed to go through this whole process to essentially realize that their child wasn't their property and, like, wasn't theirs to clone. Like, the mom, you know, she's... The mother is having um, uh, a something of a psychic break, and... Because she's not realizing is, that this um, girl is not... She keeps calling her by her sister's name, or her clone's name. Yeah, she's fallen into a situation where she, you know, she's calling her, and she believes that she's having conversations with the... Um, with the daughter who's passed away and she explains to her, Oh, like, you know, she kind of thinks that the daughter is still alive, but in the hospital and on the verge of death. And she's sort of explaining to her like, Oh, you're dying. You're dying. They told me you're dying, but don't worry. Like we're going to get enough of your cells to like make a copy of you. Right. Um, we got enough of your cells to clone you. And it's like, What's happening there is like dupe. to reassure somebody. Yeah, first of all, it's dupe culture, yeah, it's dupe which culture. is toxic, um, <laughs> and uh, rips off um, artists. I am a small business. Me and my own self is a proprietor of a small business, and you're actually ripping off uh, my small business by cloning me. Um, no, it's like there is no. If I'm dying and you tell me, don't worry, I'm cloning you, we're going to make a mini you, that's not, there's nothing There's no, reassuring nothing about that to me. Like, well, I'm still me. dying. Yeah, and that would even feel worse, uh, I right. think. Because of being I like, still oh. have to experience death. Right, yeah. Oh, so like the party's going to continue. Oh, so like you're all going to be fine, essentially, because you're going to have another one of me. And that's what I was thinking about. And just the fact that they are viewing their child speaking of a small business, like as property, as an object, as something for them. And I feel like that's something 
that especially, you know, not to be totally us and talk about what we always talk about, but like in the social media era where people are like monetizing their lives, essentially that line of like your child, not having an individual identity outside of them being your child. Um, and the ways that, you know, some parents, that is the position from which they operate just objectively. They don't see their child, you know, they don't, tend to recognize their child's autonomy yeah exactly it's like you uh, and and that is I think something too is that what makes this book despite the sci-fi themes like so appropriate for this type of reader is like that is a time in your life where where you are going through the stages of wanting to gain independence from your parents and we even see like you know she's like flashing back and feeling guilty about times that she was you know bitchy to her parents or whatever. And that's something I think that every child can relate to while at the same time being like, but Mm -hmm. I want to do my own thing. And like, I'm not your property, but at the same time feeling guilty because obviously you, you know, are, you know, very loved in many cases by, by your parents. And we also see, you know, her even like, she's like, oh, my parents are so old school because I got all this like vintage toys and stuff. And she's like, wait, that wasn't, those weren't even my toys. They were just like hand-me-downs from my, from my right. dad clone, basically. Yeah. And the fact that she is, right. and- she's a clone, right? It's like, I, I think like in this other book I was talking about where there's multiple clones or in like, I don't, I've never seen Orphan Black, but I, I've heard that it's good. But like, you, uh, there's who's the original right it's like you're if you're a clone you're always going to be compared to that original person like the first daughter was not a clone but she is right right yeah yeah um it's it's very um socrates and um artistic reproduction theory um if you're into explain that explain kind of that shit more. you know it's like what that means um so you know like the idea that you know the chair is the original and that a painting of the chair is is just type essentially, but like, but you know, make it, make it, uh, the, the classics and the fact that, um, you know, I haven't read, I haven't read Plato in the original Greek for some years now, but it's just the idea of like the ethics of, copying as an art and whether or not it's you know just merely fooling with someone or if it's creating a new thing unto itself um and I think that the question that we've been dancing around now for this entire podcast is let's you know in the theme of thinking like the adults let's put ourselves in the in the shoes of the parents they've just been in this horrible car accident Let's say I'm the dad, you're the mom. Mm-hmm. I caused the car, or you caused the car accident. I'm not going to bring it up because I'm a good husband. <laughs> and I know you already feel bad. Our child is dead. Our brother-in-law also dead. But we have cloning capabilities. What's that conversation sound like? How do you, how are you like, you know, how are you leading in on that? Like, how do you initially feel? Our child is dead. How do you initially feel about the prospect of cloning our child? You know, I think it's interesting because when you're talking about like your experience, like being the second child, like I, I don't know, like you, whether you have a baby, like quote unquote, naturally, any child that you have, whether it be clone, you know, biological, you know, conception clone or, or, or adoption, clone, clone or, or, or not evil. Yeah, exactly. So, so you're going, that child is always going to feel in a shadow. And it's interesting because we know that the dad was active in getting the money from this guy to clone this girl because the dad was like a a whiz. Um, And that's why also they, we like, they moved around their whole life. That's why they like had so much, had so much money to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a really interesting decision. And, And then like, obviously like it doesn't, I mean, and I also think that this would be the same, like if you had any child, like, that after you've had experienced a loss like that, that you would be on edge and obviously like super worried about like this child getting hurt, but they are even more so because they don't, they essentially don't want to repeat the the mistake that happened the last time. So that's why they don't let her do anything right. at all. Or like when they go to the mall, like they want to be, be behind her and stuff. Yeah. I'm going to say 
I'm, you know, I'm not even going to get to the complex philosophical Mm -hmm. questions in my assessment because I'm just going to stop right at, I don't want to have to explain to my child that they're a clone. That they're a clone, And I also don't want to lie to my child. Exactly. I I don't feel comfortable lying and I don't feel comfortable having the the clone, the CC, the clone conversation. Um, And so I'm just stopping right there. It's not out of any altruism or any belief in, you know, the ethics of cloning. It's that me personally, Sophie Kruger, does not want to have to be privy to a conversation where I tell somebody that I, like, essentially did, like, an illegal cloning operation in order to make them. Because, like, we see on TikTok, um, you know, narratives all of the time from people who grew up in situations where they were either abused or they were uh, people who were adopted and, you know, have all of these things to say about the institution of adoption. I do not need my kid getting on TikTok and making like videos basically being like, I wish I didn't exist because I I don't agree with the institution of cloning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And I think, I think that makes sense too. And like it, The one thing that's interesting is, like, they basically did a lie of omission with this daughter because she she was, the mom was one of the surrogates. And that she was the only one who lived of these these babies. Um, So that's an interesting thing because it's like, well, when I had you, you know, when when you were in my belly or whatever— right that that could— But yeah, like, it it is—I mean, that's the main reason why I don't want to have children is— well, I mean, because it's hard, obviously, but like there are so many conversations and things that are just so hard to explain to a child. And in many cases, there's not a right answer. Obviously, one of them being like, uh, you were a clone. You right. were a dupe. You're part of, you're a victim of dupe culture. You are a victim of dupe culture and you will be called out by the original creator. Yeah. Um, as a means of, you know, sort of taking back their power and that um, the original that creator, God. Button. The original creator, God, um, that button of, I don't know, like a grimace smoking a joint that uh, this small creator now made. Um, they're getting called out. This resin because, ashtray uh, with a, smoking squirtle, a, a yes. squirtle card embedded in it. Right. This like, like cancer, like this cancer ashtray um, that like has like infected like 10 members of the community due to like the resin fumes blasted off in this person's backyard. Um now now is being sold at at Zara and I find that to be un, uh, unacceptable mm-hmm. um well yeah I mean I think that like it's it's a testament to it's a testament to the writing here that we are able to have so many questions about this book that we would not normally be asking of you know like last week we read princess diaries which don't get me wrong is a great book but you know there's not a lot of ethical quandaries and i think that it's on one level it it succeeds because it presents so many of these questions but on another level it succeeds because it makes these questions presentable to To children yeah it it does a really good job questions do stick out and these are like like we said like domestic sci-fi is like Similarly, like running out of time was that too, because it's another instance in which this child is not only coming to terms with her parents having lied to her, but also kind of coming to terms of the fact of the difference between her parents, right? Like her dad, like I think ends up being like a little like over controlling and like similarly here, like the, you know, the daughter is kind of dealing with the ways that her parents dealt with this in different ways and and the ways that they dealt with it wrong, that they made mistakes in dealing with it and like those consequences and like, you know, the book doesn't give us an answer of if that was the right thing to do or not, which is really interesting. If I if I had one question to ask Margaret Peterson Haddix, I would ask her just sort of about like what like to talk about her relationship to ideas of like child rearing and reproduction, because uh, so many of her books revolve around like ethical questions as it pertains to child rearing like with this and the um the shadow children books about the situation where you know it's like a society where uh you can only have one kid and Mm -hmm. if you have an extra kid like you have to hide them they have to be you know the eponymous shadow child Mm -hmm. um so clearly she has some sort of feeling or at least like an interest in 
these ethical quandaries and, um, you know, writes about them for the younger generation to read, which is just a, it's just not a space that a lot of people are occupying. Yeah. She actually, I read something interesting today, which is she wrote running out of time while she was pregnant, which I think gives another, you know, uh, even another, uh, layer to it. Um, yeah. And, and it also, I think affects like running out of time, obviously that's a, <laughs> in a big way. It's like, if your parents decide that you're going to like be like in historical reenactment camp, uh, a lot yeah, of the village, right. like, obviously that's a big decision, but here too, it's like how, you know, as a, when you get into a fight with your parents and you're like, I didn't ask to be born or whatever. It's like that, that is a lot of how her, what her books deal with is like as a parent, like it's showing like the effects on children of decisions that parents made, whether or not those decisions are like, obviously they're not being malicious. They're doing what they think is best for the child. Right. You know, as a kid, like you always, in many cases will grow up thinking your parents are perfect. And I think her books do a good job of being like, kind of showing the human errors that parents can obviously make because it's impossible to be a perfect parent. Right. But also in a way that like you can still love them and have a relationship with them. Like regardless of mistakes they've made. Um, Because every parent makes mistakes and like you, and it's hard because like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's very, I think it would be very hard to be a parent. (laughs) Obviously. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my parents made a lot of mistakes, which is why I'm like this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, for sure. For sure. I mean, like just talking to me is a, is a testament to the types of just even the smallest, most nuanced mistakes you can make can result in somebody having a child like me. Um, and a child like me or girls like us, which is the name of this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, you can find us on social media at girls like us show on both Twitter and Instagram. You can uh, follow our Patreon at patreon.com slash girlslikeusshow. Uh, and you can find our Frolic Media Sorority Sisters at frolic.media slash podcasts. As always, our lovely producer is Camden Stacy, and our theme music is by the wickedly talented one and only Leggy. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Bye.